Hey there, this is Steve Carr with the Thought Thread Podcast. I am back here delivering you all the links to be able to push you into sharper thinking and the way that you are able to access those links are through my personal website, houseofcar.com, C-A-R-R.com slash thread. If you go to houseofcar.com slash thread, you can find all the links that I will be discussing here. Plus, you could actually subscribe to have the thought thread delivered directly to your email inbox for free. All for free. What a value. You should take advantage of that. So what I do is every two weeks about, Usually it's about twice a month. But what I do is I take some links I had been reading on the internet. I weave them together underneath a thread, a theme. And usually that theme is derived from a Bible teaching or a sermon that I had written previously. And with this thread, it marks the completion of over a year of going through messages from the book of Psalms. So I figured it would be wise to be able to just wrap up this series with the thread psalm just by saying psalm what is psalm it's a song from a spiritual biblical perspective it's a song that is found in the hebrew scriptures there are 150 of them and this this thread uh, contains text from the 150th psalm I entitle it the Psalm of All Psalms. It's basically a catch-all, what do I want to say, a synopsis of a whole study of the book of Psalms, trying to talk about our praise, the way that we humans offer our thanks to the Creator. And I know it's Psalm 150, but thinking about a theme, I always try to get a musical theme for this. I actually landed on U2's song. U2 wrote a song called Psalm 40, which I know then that this isn't Psalm 150. It's actually Psalm one, Psalm 40. But uh, U2, want to love these guys. They've had some great tunes of the years. Their contributions of new music slipped I believe in recent years, but still, this is old classic. You should go download some, download Psalm 40 at the iTunes store and just jam out to this all week. So, the the theme of this week of Psalm, and I have a bunch of links to be able to help you through that. And the first link that I ha- have might be one of the more compelling links. I was waiting to bust this one out, but this is from Inc. Magazine Inc. Uh, online, Inc.com, and it is a neuroscientist who has claimed that he has discovered scientifically a song that will reduce your anxiety by 65%. That's very specific, isn't it? And it's very interesting because I think that is clickbait of the highest order. But if you look at it, he ran a large study and through it confirmed that the most anxiety-reducing song ever written is by a band called Marconi Union, and it's the song Weightless. And I, I couldn't help but not give you a sampling of the song. So listen closely and see how you feel. Do you feel less anxious? Mm. Peaceful. 
does it make you feel at peace? I don't know. Really, it makes me feel sleepy. But maybe sleep leads to less anxiousness. That band, by the way, developed the song in coordination with a sound therapist. So they were very deliberate about it. I don't know. You should read the article. I think it's interesting, and that's a good... That's a good, uh, put it on your phone, and that's a good party trick when somebody brings something up. Is like, this song is proven to be 65%, what what would it be? Less anxiety-inducing, reducing your anxiety? I don't know, interesting link. You need to read that one. That's why I recommend it at the top of the thread. The next article from MIT Sloan's Management Review, Making the Case for the Subjective Age in the Multigenerational Workforce. Here's the issue is we always talk about age being more than just a number. I really believe that true because the way in which one lives is more important than the generation to which they belong. So we like to classify people as boomers, as millennials, as Gen Zers. We Gen Xers like myself get left out in the cold often. But when we look at how somebody moves and works in an MIT Sloan's Arquares in the workforce, but I think there's application of this beyond, it really comes down to the idea that we make age generalizations. And we should understand that it differs from person to person based upon context. Now, this is a summation article from Sloan. So if you want the full article, you'd need to subscribe. I don't subscribe. I just like the um, – I, I usually take a look at the, the titles and then go into the studies, go research that if it's a little bit more. I think that age is such a big issue, especially as we're getting post-pandemic from remote working to hybrid working. I think it's an interesting topic of discussion. That's why I wanted to include it in this thread. The third link that I include is from the Christian Century magazine, and basically it describes the purpose of beauty in houses of worship. And I've linked to different articles. I'll admit this is some something that I like. So previously I'd linked to articles like this before, but whenever somebody writes this, I'm very interesting. And what it talks about is how we gauge architectural beauty within our houses of worship. So I work with a company that helps fund new worship structures, and I'll tell you the vast majority of them are usually utility-based, much more than beauty-based. So the aesthetic is less important overall than the functionality of the building, and I agree that that's probably the best way to approach it, especially if the costs are going to skyrocket. However, I think it's something we need to consider in our worship is how beauty interplays that. And quite often, the venue in which we are worshiping has a large role in how we engage with Creator God. So that's why people are using audiovisual lighting rigging to try to create ambiance. Our church, our little church in an urban Cincinnati, meets in a 150-year-old building with stained glass. And I will tell you that... Um, even with all the modern trappings that we use, whether it be visual with uh, projection screens and good audio so that you can hear, I just still love that venue, and I think it impacts the way that I worship and how I take my time of consideration of, consideration of my relationship to the Creator. So, interesting article. Wanted to include that because, like I always say, most of the people who read this uh, come from either um, nonprofit church vocations, or at very least, are uh, followers of Christ, and therefore, 
it's a topic that is worth engagement. Next article, why is left-handedness so rare from Fast Company? I'm a righty. It doesn't apply to me. 10% of you listening to this are left-handed. Why? Why? If evolution is true, has left-handedness not increased? I, I, I don't know. So this is a very scientific take on this. Really, I just find it fascinating because I know there's some of my lefties are out there listening to this, trying to figure out what that looks like in your life. You know what? A good article about left-handedness is always going to interest somebody, and maybe you are prejudiced against left-handed people. So maybe this will light a fire in you to go and claim, proclaim your right-handedness more. I don't know. Interesting article. I thought it was worth a read. I take a look at that one, too. My book suggestion for this thread is The Network Imperative, written 2016. It's how to survive and grow in the age of digital business models. Um, I'm very big on networks. Some people call it networking, which people think is swarmy and slimy. I think it's more important that if we can keep communities together around central ideas and pursuits, that we are all the better and that our involvement in networks benefits not just others but ourselves. So it is a symbiotic relationship. This is a book that talks about it within business, talking about even digital, how that works out. And I don't care what field you are involved in. Somehow the network imperative book will have implications on your work. I think it's a topic that you need to pursue. Newer book, good research, not a difficult, challenging read. I recommend it. You should pick it up and read it. If you're not convinced on the thread, I leave my uh, chosen quotes from the book that you can use to help guide you whether or not you will purchase it. But I'm telling you, uh, you know, go to the library, get this, buy it. Good book that really discusses about something that is not going away, the way in which we humans act with networks. So then... After all of that, I usually like to leave a personal article, and the personal article that I offer this week is Pandemic Lessons in Sabbath, and this is actually an article I started to write <laughs> last year, actually last summer, so it's, all, it's been ruminating in my inbox for a year, because what I found early in the pandemic is my rhythm and speed has changed, and I started to employ Sabbath in my personal life. And as a preacher, I used to talk about Sabbath a lot, and they always say, if you want to understand your minister's sins, listen to what they preach about. And for me, it was this idea that I always struggle with stopping and resting, and it really is an exhibit of my lack of trust of God's provision, because I think I need to provide, I need to move, I need to keep going. Well, I had come across early in the pandemic a sermon that came out of the season of Spanish influenza. So a 100-year-old article that a random minister in the South preached, and some of his words challenged me, and I kept this the, his sermon on my desktop and would refer to it to just challenge me to be able to step back. And it's funny, I waited on this article, and then I'm like, okay, what are some of the lessons coming out of COVID that I am learning and the biggest thing was Sabbath and slowing down. So um, my thoughts on how we need to continue to employ Sabbath in our lives, even though COVID is gone, it's something I'm going to try to do. I'd encourage you to do it well. And friends, that's it. That's the overview of the links. So this is what I think you should do. If, if you know, you've read these already, 
Um, hopefully these words that I've talked to explained why I chose them. Maybe it's challenged you to think. Go, go to my website. Go to the article on uh, Psalm this week at uh, houseofcard.com slash thread and, and chime in with your comments. What, what made sense to you? What reached out to you? If you haven't yet done so, go to my website, read this, find these links. My goal is to take what I read and to give it out to others so that it can challenge them in the same way. So I hope it's a good use of your time. I think it's a good use of my time, and I enjoy doing it. So just let me know if you're liking it or not. But otherwise, that is the totality, short and sweet, where we're at. So let's wrap this up, putting a bow on this thread, and we'll do it again next time. I've been Steve Carr. Thanks for listening. <laughs>